This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, last month, the Kinahan Crime Cartel suffered a serious blow. In April, the Americans announced that they had asked the authorities in Dubai to freeze the Kinahan's bank accounts, and they also offered a $5 million reward, three $5 million rewards for anybody who could supply information about Christy Kinahan Sr., who is the godfather of that cartel, or his son Daniel, who is wanted and believed to be the leader of the cartel on a day-to-day basis, and Christopher Jr. as well. Uh, This is a serious blow because they had been living in Dubai with apparent impunity for quite some time now, and things are moving on, and we're joined now by the Crime Journalist of the Year, Michael O'Toole of the Irish Daily Star, to tell us where we are with this uh, Kinahan cartel. Michael, when the Americans got involved, when these um, $5 million bounties were put on their head, and all their assets and movements frozen, it seemed as if the end was nigh, or at least to to some of us it did, but you're more informed about this. It must have been a blow, but they appear to be surviving. See that they do because it's a very big organisation. Uh, I mean, we know. I mean, when I reported on a thing called Operation Shovel in 2010, which was the first real international crackdown on the cartel, it was run. It was a Garda-inspired operation, but it was run by Europol in The Hague. And back then, they said their assets were, they had assets, including in Brazil, they had different, three separate resorts in Brazil, I remember, that their assets were a billion euro. And I noted with interest at the press conference there last month, they said their assets were worth a billion. So I thought it had been degraded over the years, but it's obviously a very, very big organisation. I, I I do think it's, it's suffered a significant blow. I think the leadership of this cartelism crisis. And just speaking about Daniel first, I think you, the, the term the end is nigh is appropriate for his uh, main aim in life, which was to become boxing's Mr. Yes. Fix. We know that this has been going on for years. He wanted 
I'm not going to say he had effectively turned his back on crime, but the focus on his life really had been become, you know, the, the mega fixer in boxing. And we know that there were three or four iterations of that sort of journey that he took. We all know that he, he tried this. And there was a panorama show uh, investigation. We in the Star did a campaign in 2020, I think, 2019, when he tried, when it was announced that he had been, been involved in organizing that uh, a, a, a planned fight with Tyson, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. Now that collapsed and he came back and he came back again. But this, I think, to use a, a really cringy term, I think this has been a knockout blow to his plans to become yes. the main man of boxing. But... He doesn't really make that much money from boxing. We know Bob Arum said that he got a few million quid from organising various fights. But all most of Daniel Kinahan's money comes from the drugs trade. Now, it was interesting. I spoke to a very senior, just a few days after the, the press conference or after the, the rewards were issued, I spoke to a very senior and very, very experienced drugs investigator with a, an overarching view and an international view of things. Because I was, I, I just wanted to know what he thought about the whole thing. And I said, look, is this the end for the cartel? He said, no, not at all. The Colombian cartels <clears throat> who send over the, the cocaine every week will still use Kenan because Kenan has the money to pay for the gear. He will only be, get in trouble with the cartel if he is not able to pay for yes. the product. So, you know, the gang is still there. It is still bringing, since we last spoke, it'll have brought in millions of euro worth of cocaine into Europe. Most, much of it going to Ireland, but you know, going to other places, Britain and, and, and elsewhere in Europe. So the gang is still there. Uh, we know that they're in disarray, but they're a money making organization and money always comes. Well, on the subject of money, Michael, uh, if their bank accounts are frozen, does that make the transfer of money, the receipt of money and indeed uh, paying for the drugs from the cartel in, in South America, does that make that difficult? Or have they got oceans of cash? They have oceans of cash. I mean, right. that's the the unpalatable reality. And it's hard cash. It's in cryptocurrencies. It's in bank accounts. It's everywhere. You know, let's talk about cryptocurrencies for a minute. You know, anybody, I have, I have online accounts. I can buy cryptocurrencies sitting, watching the TV uh, yeah. on night. Anybody can do this. So, you know, what we say about Kenahan and Christie, especially, very, very smart man. He yes. will, they will have access to funds. They will have funds salted away. So, you know, it's an inconvenience for them, especially in you know, Dubai, where they can't buy a pint even. But, you know, their friends, their partners have access to money. So they can give, they can be proxies, shall we say, and they can get the money from them. So, look, yeah. it's an inconvenience for them in Dubai, but I don't really see it damaging their ability to buy drugs in the international market. Yes, and it's worth pointing out, and I wonder if you can confirm it, that their credit cards are frozen, their bank accounts are frozen. To all intents and purposes, they can't get cash, except if they're keeping it in, in currency outside of any institution. And if you can't use the credit card these days, we all know that that makes life difficult, but not in the case of these people, uh, apparently impossible. Yes, I mean, as I say, it's an inconvenience. You're absolutely right, Eamon. All their legitimate bank accounts are frozen, all their credit cards are frozen, but we know that the Kenyans travel on false passports. So, look, I'm not an expert in this, but I presume it's not overly difficult for them to get credit cards yeah. and bank accounts in, 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 in false names. I mean, look, they are multimillionaires, and money, as I keep on saying, money talks, so there are people who would be more than happy to help them out. But look, you know, yes, their, their, their credit cards are frozen, but, you know, his wife, Kenyan's wife, for example, her acts of cards are frozen 
all their family members. So, you know, I don't think they'll be stuck for a, a few bob and there are ways around this. Really, it's more about the international message that it is sending out against these people and, and part of the fight back. But look, obviously, it's, you know, they're, they're, they have ways of solving problems, but they do have significant problems. There's no doubt about that. If the Americans are onto them, does that make them tricky for other cartels like the Colombian cartel to deal with? Does it in any way inhibit the operation in terms of people not wanting to attract the attention of the people now, the Americans who are after the Kennans? No, I don't think so, Eamon. Just going back again to what that the, the, the interesting conversation I had with the anti-drugs investigator, he said, no, it won't make any difference. And he made a very valid point. You know, the cartels and super cartels in Colombia, they're well used to being under the significant spotlight and the significant attention of Americans. So I'm not going yes. to say it's water off a duck's back for them, but it's an occupational hazard, shall we say. So it's not as if they're, you know, neophytes who will suddenly become very nervous once they hear the Yankees are after right. them. This <laughs> is their work. This is their job. So and, you know, they are gangsters and they are, you know, very, very serious criminals and hardened criminals who would make people that we deal with seem like choir boys. Let, let's be honest. I mean, if you look at the, 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 the Mexican cartels, for example, some of the things they're involved in are horrendous. This war has been going on for a time. So I don't think I don't think the, the Americans would be overly, or sorry, the, the Colombians would be overly fussed about American law enforcement in, in, in actions against Kenyan. Now, in a piece that you sent me and that I read, you point out that they have sent one of their senior lieutenants to Dublin to oversee the operation here. You describe uh, this gentleman as smart and dangerous. Yeah, that was the piece I noticed by Conor Lally uh, in the Irish Times last mm -hmm. week. Everybody's been doing a lot of digging on that. I thought that was a very interesting story because, look, there is a vacuum. Um, one of the people, obviously, the Kinnans are the head of this beast, but it's a very, very big organisation and you effectively need a CEO and you need plenty of CEOs. You need somebody in Ireland, you need somebody to liaise with the Colombians, you need somebody in Europe. You know, all the, all, there's lots of people who need, need to be involved. And yeah, and they, they lost uh, their man in Britain, Bomber Kavner, yeah. who's just received a sentence of uh, about 18 years, is it? Uh, 20 years, I think, yeah. 20 years and he is already, I think, in his 60s. So that takes him out of the game. It does. He's no. He's he's in his fifties. But look, it'll be a long time before he gets out. When he was arrested, he he was known as Kenhins. When you run the British and Irish operation, you effectively run the the operation in Europe yes. because that's the the fulcrum. So he was known as Kenhins man in Europe. When he uh, was caught as part of a national crime agency operation over in Britain a couple of years ago for importing Kenhin drugs, we all thought right. And the guidance we were given was Liam Byrne, who's been named in the High Court as being a, a member of the Kenhan organised crime gang and the, the burn offshoot. Everybody assumed that he was the main man, that he was going to step up. And, and for a while it seemed he did. But Gardy, reading Conor Lally's piece, and it sort of chimes with what I'm hearing, Gardy have been surprised that he hasn't come to the fore. Now, I have my own theory about this. I think he's he's in an extremely precarious position because, as we say, he's been named in the High Court. There's significant uh, evidence against him by Gardy, and I think we know that Drury Harris is talking about the commissioner, has spoken about another way of the sanctions, and I think Liam Byrne is going to be on that sanctions list. So I think, you know, he's taken to the hills. He was living in Birmingham. He seems to have vanished. I think he's done a runner because he knows he's in the doo-doo, shall we say. But somebody has to run the organisation. So this man, who is a Dubliner, uh, is very, very well known to Gardy, well known to some, some journalists, very, very well known person. 
he seems to have stepped up to the plate, shall we say, filled the vacuum, but not for his own uh, aggrandizement, to run the Kinahan cartel right. from Ireland. He's back here and he's, he's, a, he's, he's a very, very dangerous man. So he's very well, as I say, he's very well known to Gardaí. Somebody has to lead it. And the word in the street is that it's him. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Now, Liam Byrne's brother, David Byrne, as I understand it, he was the only victim of the attack on the Regency Hotel, which really was the catalyst for the feud between the Hutch and Kinahan gangs. Uh, I think 18 people have died as a result of that, many of them innocent associates of the Hutches, or family members indeed. Um, So that Liam Byrne is the brother of the Liam Byrne, who was the only person to die that day, although the real target... Uh, who was on the premises in the Regency, was Daniel Kinnan. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so David Byrne was a very, very close associate. I think he was one of Daniel Kinnan's best friends. And uh, yes, you're right. He was the only person to be killed. There were two other men who were shot. Less, obviously, they both survived. So their, their wounds weren't that serious. But they, 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 they were shot in this uh, raid as well. But yeah, David Byrne was very close. Essentially what happened, they tried to kill Daniel Kinnan. They missed him by... Seconds, essentially, one of uh, Kinnan's bodyguards saw, you know, you remember the whole story about the, the man in drag yeah. and the old man, saw them coming in, recognized that this was not a very good deal. I went, <laughs> right, and they threw a bottle of water at the gunman, and that was just enough time to get Daniel Kinnan out of the place. So they got him right. out by, by seconds. David Byrne was there. There was CCTV footage of the murder. He, he is seen running away. 
from the from the place. Well, I thought there were hundreds of people trying to get out, but then he ran back to make sure that Daniel Kinnan was was okay. And when he was running back, he was cornered in the entrance to the to the Regency Airport Hotel and was shot dead by a man with a Kalashnikov. So he went back to try and see if his friend was okay, and he and he paid the price for that. Uh, a question about the uh, authorities in Dubai and their extradition policy, because it, the Irish authorities have asked, they have sought the extradition of Daniel Kinahan to face trial in the special criminal court. That has been resisted, and they, they resisted before the authorities in Dubai because there was a mafia don who they had, and they refused initially to extradite him. They did, in the end, extradite him. What's the story there? I, I think I think resisted is probably not the right word. I think ignored might be the better word. Right. They, they, I'm not 100% sure that they've actually requested so thus, thus far the extradition of Kenan. They have what's called the European Arrest Warrant, which is an extradition request out for his associate, who's one of the, the people listed on sanctions, is Sean McGovern. There's an arrest warrant out for him for a Kenan murder of a, a Hutch associate as part of this feud. So, but the, the, but the, the Irish are making efforts. They are planning to issue a, a European arrest warrant for Kenan, and they are making efforts to get him kicked out of Dubai. So essentially, I think that you did, the, the, the Dubai authorities effectively have been ignoring Ireland. And as I, I think I said one of the last times I was on the show, the Americans are the big boys. So it really yes. only when the Americans got involved that the Dubai authorities sat up and took notice and started to take action. We know that the sanctions were imposed by Dubai on Kenan, on the Kenans, eight days after the US authorities re- revealed details of their reward. So really, I mean, it doesn't do much for Ireland's ego, but I think that is the reality that we are a very small country and they, we would, they might regard us as an irritant, best ignored, but when the Americans come along, they, they have to stand to attention and, and shout. But look, it, in, in a sense, ex, the whole question of extradition, you know, it's been a bit of a red herring because there is no extradition treaty between Ireland and Dubai or any European country and Dubai. But the Dubai authorities, as you mentioned, this mafia man, a man called Raffaele Imperiale, who was actually, the Americans have alleged, he was part of the Kenyan super cartel with various other people. So he was kicked out. He's over. He was kicked out from, uh, expelled, shall we say, sent back from Dubai in Italy, and he's now in custody facing charges, serious charges for mafia crimes there. If it can happen to him without an extradition treaty, it can happen to Kenyan. Yes. And I think that's the focus. Not necessarily an extradition, but just get him out. So, I mean, I know that there were media reports over the weekend, and we can perhaps talk about this, what is happening, because it's been, what, it's nearly a month, is it, since the, yes. the press conference? Where is he? So why have they not kicked him out? And, and that's something that is, I think, very, very interesting. There was also stuff uh, around last week about a rat mm. who may be at the heart of the Kinahan organization. Um, and as they used to say on Love, Hate. There's always a rat. <laughs> well, you know, love hate. Well, I wasn't as big as fan, I have to say, but anyway. No, no, um, no. I, 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 but they are right. There, there are rats. I wouldn't be surprised. Look, there is always a rat, and there are always multiple rats. So, look, if you look back, there are more than 70 men in custody in Ireland, Britain, and Spain in relation to the Kinahan gang. Huge amount of people, right? You can bet your bottom dollar. Look, the guards have... 
technolo- technological means of tracking people. And we know that there was evidence about bugging and all that sort of stuff, about the, what the guards did. Say, for example, about a man called Liam Brannigan. He, he's in prison over a Kinnan plot to kill uh, a Kinnan associate, right? We know that the guards bugged fans. That came out in evidence. So that's not a big secret. But it's bugging and it's phone intercepts and it's what we would call, thanks to love, hate, chiz or touts or rats or whatever yes. you want to call them. They are active in every organization. The guards have done, a, to be fair to them, you know, they, they really got massive criticism for the Regency and the policing operation there that day because these men, could, you know, the ERU heads, the fake ERU heads walked in, they were there for six minutes and then they got out again. So there was, you know, journalists were there, guards weren't. So there was massive criticism for them, but I think they have turned the boat around. They've yes. been very, very successful. And part of that has been the significant level of intelligence that they have on this Kinahan gang and it's coming an awful lot of it is coming from touts, rats, informants, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, people may focus on is there a super rat? I think it's more likely that there are several people who are informing and several people who are giving information to the guards and other law enforcement about the Kinahans. Yes, and as you pointed out in the piece you wrote, Michael, the five million dollar bounty on the heads of the Kinahan, that is the father and the two sons. That's um, a big incentive. Does the EU have a role in this or even an interest in it, given all the things that the EU has to deal with? Is there any evidence of effective policing in the way the United States, for example, would affect it? Well, yeah, well, yes and no. There is, as I mentioned earlier, we have uh, an organization called Europol, Europol, which is all every member country has officers attached in The Hague and they do part in joint investigations and they share an awful lot of intelligence. So, you know, it's not a European police force, but they share intelligence and they take part in investigations and do an awful lot of years. And so it's better cooperation and, and all that sort of stuff. What has been missing, I mean, we asked uh, Drew Harris, he was down at the GRA conference in Westport last week, um, and I asked him about this because it was just of an interest that, look, these sanctions that were, as you say, were announced by the Americans, they came from America, but Kenyans yes. are active in Europe and they're active in Ireland. So it was something that, that I was interested in. And the guidance I got was, look, you know, why doesn't Ireland mount these sanctions on Kenyans, yes. right? And the answer I got was, look, it has to be on a pan-European level. So we, we got the commissioner, he, he, he did a press briefing for us at the conference, and I asked the commissioner about, should Europe set up its own European uh, sanctions program. And that's something he said that they're, they're, he said, look, America are the experts. And I think that's one of the reasons why they went with America. They're the experts in all these sanctions. They've done it before. You know, it, it's not their first rodeo, shall we say. But he did say that there are learnings that we, that Europe on a European level could learn from this. And I thought it was interesting. Some, uh, I, I can't remember the name, but a, a European, you know, one of the European commissioners in charge of security said last week, we're going to do, we're going to set up uh, an EU-wide anti-crime leg- financing organization similar to the cab here, and we're going to go after people's assets and we're going to do all things like f- freezing their assets and all that sort of stuff, just like the Americans have done. And she specifically mentioned the Kinnan cartel. So it seems as if Ireland and the EU are learning from America, just what Drew Harris said. So look, and I think I can understand why, because, you know, the Kenyans have assets in Spain. They have assets in Ireland. We know that from Operation Shovel back in the day, they have assets in, in England and, and France and, and Belgium. So it needs to be on a European level. So what appears to be next is that the EU comes along, sets up this agency or organization and hits gangs like the Kenyans and the Camara and other mafiosi all around Europe and hits Europe, Europe wide. So that's next on the schedule, I would say. Now, as uh, anybody who watches these matters 
will know, and certainly as the people in Fingus will know, there is a feud in Fingus. A gang has split in two, the worst kind of feuds, and these feuds can really, as we know from the history of the drug gangs here, these feuds can really be quite vicious. And there is a feud now. Petrol bomb was uh, thrown at a house of a, an apparently innocent person. And Fingus, you know, which is an area, a respectable area, people there must feel threatened by the presence there of people who are, quite frankly, killers. They're, they're brazen, Eamon. Yeah, yeah. This feud has been going for quite some time. A man called James Whelan, who's a 29-year-old criminal yes. from Fingless, he was shot dead in, in a house in, uh, on the road in Fingless after he attacked. He tried to petrol bomb a house connected to this gangster. Now, it, look, I, I don't really like nicknames, but we have to use nicknames because of Ireland's defamation laws. So we call him Mr. Flashy, part of the Gucci yeah, gang. Yeah, yeah. I've heard say, about Mr. Yeah, Flashy. People may say we glamorize them. We don't. Uh, it's what people have always called this gang, and we have to call them something because we can't call him his real name because we'd be in the high Yeah. So uh, he was part of this flashy Gucci gang, part of Mr. Flashy. They had a fallen out. And as you say, feuds are at their most intense when it's personal relationships break down. Yes. That was, if you remember the, the Crumlin Drum, the feud yes. where 15 men killed over a decade. That was. A gang that split over and they had it at one row was over a motorbike, damaged yep. motorbike. And look what happened there. Freddie Thompson, part of the Kinnan cartel, was yes. one of the drivers of that. So this is personality based. It's people in Fingless who grew up with each other, who worked with each other as drugs, a drugs gang. They've now hived off in two and it's extremely personal. We know, for example, that uh, James Whelan's mother's house, this is the one you're talking about, yes. uh, a few weeks after his, his murder, Gangs targeted Sonia Whelan's house. Now, look, she has no involvement in crime. She's yeah. she's lost her son, and now she's being targeted purely because she was Whelan's mother. Her house was petrol bombed. She was very, very lucky. She, I understand she was in bed at about half two in the morning. House was really badly damaged, and only the smoke alarm saved her. They managed to rouse from the bed and get her out. It was a very, very serious attack. There were a couple of, you know, uh, associates of Whelan saw this and took umbrage and attacked a few hours later, attacked a home connected to an asso- a, a relative of Flashy. And again, you saw Sonia Williams, yes. totally innocent. This uh, relative of Flashy, totally innocent, just happened to be re- related to Flashy. So that's the way it's going. That's what makes it so personal. Now, this gang in Fingers, they're dealing in drugs. They're spreading drugs around the community. Are they customers of the Kinahan cartel? Is that the way it works? In other words... They have to get their drugs somewhere, and is the Kinahan gang the wholesaler? Yes, the Kinahan gang doesn't do street dealing. Okay, so it brings in multi-million euro consignments of drugs, and then it's apportioned out, and then you you literally you go in and you, you buy wholesale from them. Yeah. So yes, can, there are a number of, of a very very small number. Whenever there's a multi-million euro seizure, say there was thirty million seized in Cork last year, we'd always inquire. Who could do this? And it always come back. Look, you're talking maybe two or three gangs in Ireland have the capacity to be involved in this. And the Kinnahan name is one of the people out there. So the, the Kinnahans are the wholesalers. They don't do this. They sell to gangs and the flashy gang. Although we do know that the Kinnahan gang got a bit annoyed with flashy about 18 months ago and sent someone from Spain to murder him. He was caught and is currently uh, doing time for, for another matter. But Mr. Flashy was the target there, but money's money, and they're still he's still using their drugs, and he's still 
you know, supply, they're, they're still supplying flashy on the streets. So look, you know, there's no, absolutely no honour in gangland. Now, the, the inevitable question, Michael's final one is about the market for this, mostly cocaine, I would think, but you know better, obviously a lot of cannabis. The market is not necessarily in Finglas or in other communities like Finglas. The market could be in Dublin 4 or anywhere. So oh, yeah. the, the, the point about I'm, I'm making is that, and I did it myself. I, I've taken cocaine. I did recreational drug taking when I was younger. And it is people who are otherwise regard themselves as respectable citizens who are the market for much of the drug import. The, the, the most po- I do a, a summary of drug seizures every year, done it for the last 10 years. I don't have the figures here, but the biggest drug in Ireland is cannabis and always is. Yes. C- uh, cannabis, uh, cocaine and heroin follow after that. They're, 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 yes. they're the big three. But look, you're, you're quite right. I mean, there is a disconnect. I'm sure when you were doing it, you didn't pause and think, hold on, who has brought this stuff in? What gang is getting this? Who has been murdered over in Colombia? What are the cartels doing? Yeah. Look, I'm not. A, I'm not going to judge anybody, but that. I mean, that is the fact. Cocaine isn't grown in Ireland. It or created or manufactured in Ireland, whatever the phrase is. It's cultivated and made over in cocaine or in Colombia. Comes into Ireland via India via Ireland or uh, West Africa. That's just the reality. If everybody's going to have to have their own morality, but essentially, yes. anybody who uses cocaine, they're feeding gangs like Kinnan. That's just it. We can't ignore that. It's up to people to decide. Okay, Michael, thank you very much for joining us on Stand Today. Michael O'Toole is a crime correspondent with the Irish Daily Star. He's also crime correspondent of the year in the Journalism Awards. We're grateful to Michael, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.